0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning. Experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals.
2: What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield, Jordan Foote, and Josh Kaiser joining me as always. Gentlemen, how was your Fourth of July holiday?
3: I had a, uh, an exhausting one seemed like it was just packed to the gills with rest and relaxation, which when you have kids just turns into parenting elsewhere. Mine was
4: good. I, uh, drank a fair amount of beer and lit off a couple of fireworks and, uh, didn't get in trouble from the law, which is always a good thing. Didn't lose any digits, which is an even better thing. So. Um, it was all good fun I ate a bunch of food you know it was a, a fairly standard one for me but it was still a good time
2: I, I realized this year that becoming a parent has turned me into the crotchety asshole that gets oh, mad at man. fireworks at all times like when my neighbors were have been shooting off fireworks for pretty much a week now right around one thirty, which is when my son yeah. is napping I'm like I just, I can't do it. And then it gets past about 1130 midnight, man, what are we doing here? I got to work tomorrow. And yeah. like, I, I never thought I would be that guy, but I am that guy now. And I kind of hate it. I'll be honest.
4: Yeah, it's tough. We might get serenaded by some fireworks over in my neighborhood. I have some <laughs> jackasses, three houses down that last year were lighting them into August. It was like August 3rd.
2: Um, oh, they were no. still firing no, off. No, so. no, no. Very well could
4: be. Yeah, at one a night usually and it's usually about nine p.m. right when it gets dark. So by the time we might be done recording, you you may be
2: here in a little bit. Well, you know, hopefully my neighbors well, have some sort of common courtesy and decency, <laughs> right? We'd love we'd love that. We love that kind of yeah. thing. Uh before we get into we had a loaded episode, the most of this episode is going to be Draft heavy because it is this Sunday in Seattle. Royals are picking eighth after getting absolutely bent over a barrel by the the ping pong balls in the lottery. Uh, but we'll have some thoughts on that and some guys to look out for that the Royals could take there at that eighth overall pick. Uh, before we do that, the show as always brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Be sure to check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. KCSC, one of the best in the area. The Royals had an interesting week, uh, not, uh, not very pretty, at least in that Cleveland series. Freddie Fermin comes up big in the day game uh, in extra innings to give the Royals the win there to salvage uh, one game against the Guardians. And then after getting whacked on Friday, uh, come out and they win two, the next two against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, this is not the same juggernaut Los Angeles Dodgers, but still a team that is very much going to be in the playoff mix the rest of the season and in a season where the royals have now won 25 games up to this point they have split a series with tampa bay and beaten the the taken taking two out of three from the los angeles dodgers but cannot win series against the a's the rockies and the nationals baseball makes so much sense so Hmm. often uh to keep things as succinct as possible since we have a lot to get through Uh, on the back half of this josh uh, we'll start with you what was some of your just overarching thoughts from the week of royals baseball
3: uh it was i mean overarching thoughts about the on-field product um was that it was nice to see marsh make his debut and then kind of he faced a really tough lineup Go four innings gave a five earned um and then Lynch had a pretty solid start against the Dodgers and the singer start was really, really good. So it was nice to see those three guys kind of come up, uh, step to the mound and, and take it to a, a pretty good team that loves to see pitches and nice to, nice to see them succeed. But off the field to me, it, it kind of the wave started when that John Sherman press conference came on board. Cause yeah. uh, it seemed like the main takeaway that I took away from that was however you felt about John Sherman going into that press conference, you came out and heard everything that, just solidified your take on John Sherman after that. If you liked him, you loved everything you said. If you hated him, you hated everything you said, and it just lost it. But if you were kind of indifferent and just kind of listening for what you wanted to hear or what was being said, I think there was quite a bit of information, mainly about the new stadium, but just the plant of how to keep them into uh, a Kansas City, you know, as a as a major league team. So I, I, it sounded like the ownership group wants to keep them there. Um, They kind of have a plan to do that and kind of centered around that stadium is the is the new plan to inject revenue and become more of a contender in the Kansas City area. So that's kind of what I drew from it, the main idea overarching theme. But uh, yeah, that's basically what I got.
4: I like it. Um, people, I think Joel said this, people just wanted to find a reason to be mad. And with how bad the baseball team was, they were going to find that reason anyway. Mm-hmm. Even if he said, hey, you know, stuff's going to change. We're going to do this, that, and the other. Some people be like, well, then the kids aren't going to play and you're going to spend this money. There would have been some people out there that got mad and said, you don't need to do this. You should be doing that. Like, no matter what, people were going to be mad. What What did they expect him to say? Yes, mm-hmm. we totally expected this team to be bad I as the owner expected this to happen Um, he did say something along the lines of Q and Piccolo knew what they were getting into which is true they knew it was going to be a long developmental process and also showed they're not getting fired anytime soon despite what some people are going to bring up Um, but he said what I thought he was going to say again people are confirming their priors basically with that Um, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head the overarching thing still is about the stadium that has yet to be decided on.
2: I, I think that was my biggest takeaway. Was I wanted to see some kind of clarity from the the stadium perspective? we got a little bit, but the fact that they're still coming around and it's oh, we're still deciding between two locations and we're trying to get this done before the ballot. But the and it's weird how the the Royals are saying we're the ones that are being. Trying to expedite this process and the city's dragging their feet, and then the city's turning around and saying the royals are dragging their feet like it's and the Chiefs, the an,
4: so back and forth with that. I, I yeah, was like, okay. it's just,
2: it's just an ugly. It, I'm, I don't want this to get ugly, is my mm. main takeaway is like just find a spot, a plot of land, bulldoze whatever you have to, and get this freaking thing done because I just don't want this to drag its feet any longer than it's gonna.
3: Hey, so they're just dude. playing the game. Yes. Yeah.
2: I mean, I, just, just... I do not know the inner workings of what it's like to build a billion dollar <laughs> baseball. Yeah. That's a couple Nobody... of sets of zeros that I am not familiar with. Yeah. So I'm not going to try and, and have some sort of hard opinion on it. It's just, I want to see some kind of clarity and direction. We got it kind of, but, but not really. Uh, Josh, what was uh, your uh, or Jordan? Sorry. What, what was your thought for the week?
4: Yeah. I was going to say, speaking of ugly, um, Drew Waters, first 15 games back after his injury, he was hitting 182, striking out 36.7% of the time with a 44 WRC+. plus. Then over the next 11 games, he hit 229, didn't walk a single time, struck out 42% of the time with a 79 WRC+. plus. Um, over the last week, though, eight hits and 24 plate appearances, only struck out a quarter of the time. On base percentage 458, um a, a 176 WRC plus. So Drew Waters, man, before the year, I'm pretty sure all three of us were like, hey, he's the guy to keep an eye on instead of Kyle Isbell. Now the team made it pretty clear Kyle Isbell was going to get every chance to be the center fielder. Um and they're both still with the team, they're both healthy now. But Drew Waters, man, if he can strike out just like of the time, 31% of the time, 30% of the time, like the closer he can get to that 30 mark, it doesn't have to be 20 or 25. I think the bat will eventually level out. And he's at an 85 WRC plus right now. He can get that up to 94, 95 by the end of the year. I think the defense, I haven't looked at the metrics, but it seems by the eye test, it's playing a little bit better um, than it was last year. So I think he's someone to keep an eye on. Again, these are like very... Uh, brief and segmented kind of setups here with 11 games 15 games eight games but uh, he seems to be settling back in
2: so drew waters just you mentioned the defense and i already had savant pulled up he's already at three outs above average uh which gotcha. is currently 22nd among all qualified center fielders which obviously he, he had a little bit of a, a slower start but in what 30 games to have that kind yeah. of uh have that kind of number is pretty impressive he looks like a guy that can handle center field at Coffin, which I know is a little bit of a question, uh, but he has, has served himself very well there.
3: I, I think the one thing I want to see from him moving forward, I can absolutely live with a 35% K rate as long as there's a walk rate to go with yeah. it. If he's just striking out because he can't make contact, that's one thing. But if he's striking out because he's taking pitches, lasting deep, going deeper in accounts, I think that'll be, I mean, that's obviously the key to most of this offense and most of this uh, at bats. And last year he had like an 11.8% walk rate, I think is what it was in the short and small sample size. Never really walked a ton in in the major or the minor league. So I don't know if, if this is realistic or not, but if he can keep that walk rate, above an 8%, I will absolutely take a 34% K rate and swallow it and play You know, with his defense kind of added in there. I'd say that's absolutely something that uh, this team could use.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. So my, my one thought is Michael Garcia has probably become my favorite player on the team over the past week and a half or so, especially getting him in the leadoff spot where he probably belongs. That's where he's been for the majority of his – professional career at this point all through the minor leagues that was his thing he's a great table setter a high contact guy with a feel for the barrel and when he gets on base he said you know you know, not he said like he's a guy that can go and steal bags <laughs> for you yeah. and he's proving all of that right now and it's it's a small sample yada yada it's at this like coming into today it was 27 plate appearances as a leadoff hitter but he's slashing 478 539 652 and that includes that game on Sunday where he went four for four with a couple RBIs and was just, I mean, he's a great table setting leadoff hitter. The kind of guy that this team needs. And they've tried a couple of different things Like they tried by MJ up at the leadoff spot. They've tried Bobby, they've tried Nick Prado Prado, and Prado was okay for a minute, but the strikeouts are just a little too high for that. That type of guy at the top of the lineup for the Royals, at least right now. Michael Garcia doesn't strike out a ton, and he'll take a ton of pitches, he'll walk, and he'll put the ball in play, which is just what they need right in front of Bobby Wood Jr., who has – like that combination at the top has really sparked both of them. So it's it's really – like I think that's – we're going to see that for the foreseeable future. And on top of that, Michael Garcia is the second-best third baseman in baseball via outs above average, a position he had never played until AAA this year. This year. And the oh, the guy, the only other guys he's surrounded by in the top before you get to number six are all National League guys. There's a very real chance that Michael Garcia could pick up a gold glove at third base this year if he continues on this pace, which would be absolutely insane. And if he's doing that and he continues to hit the way he has, he might pick up a couple rookie of the year votes too. I'm not saying he's going to win. Like Josh Young probably has that on lock right now, but... That was not something, a storyline I had expected coming into the year that he could be like a top five rookie of the year type guy for the Royals this year.
3: He has 13 games less than Luke Rayleigh uh, does for Tampa Bay. Luke Rayleigh has a 2.5 war. Josh Young has a 2.3 war on, on Fangrass. Michael Garcia is a 1.9. He's played less games than both of those guys. His WRC plus is less than both of those guys, but his defense is so solid. So good at third base that he is now third in the American League in F4 as far as rookies go. So there is a very real possibility that if he keeps this up, he's going to be at the minimum top three in rookie of the year voting, which is some kind of draft pick compensation. I can't imagine I can't remember what it is. I think Uh, top
2: yeah, top three is I think you get a comp pick.
3: Comp pick. Yeah. Okay. Because the Royals just missed out on that that
2: with Bobby.
3: With Bobby. Because he finished. Was there was there some kind of opening day roster uh, caveat to that? I can't remember for I can't sure. Remember I Something can't. to look into. But, I mean, you're talking yeah. about Michael Garcia potentially being a, uh, a top three AL rookie of the year in voting at third base at a position that he did not start the year out at um, at very limited playing time at and is still absolutely uh, performing to what, you know, beyond even our standard. I mean, we kind of had pretty big ex- expectations from him to be at least a good shortstop. And I think he's blowing our expectations even out of the water at this point.
4: Yeah, it's the uh, prospect promotion incentive. So that sounds like there was a uh, service time slash availability element with that. Hmm. Um, so I'm not sure Garcia would qualify. I'm trying to hmm. read and talk at the same time. But Joel <laughs> either did look it up or can push us forward while I keep looking.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to push us forward into uh, our transactions for the week. The biggest one being uh, came at the end of last week, of course, at, way after we recorded. But we talked about this being a possibility. Didn't think it was going to happen right now. But Aurelis Chapman, no longer a Kansas City Royal. He was picked up by the Texas Rangers, which is a, a team that we had floated for the previous couple of weeks, a team that desperately needs a true stopper in the back end of the bullpen. Chapman's that guy. The Royals get back Cole Reagans. Uh, who has gotten some big league time, mostly been a reliever, uh, but has some starting experience. He is in AAA right now. Uh getting it sounds like they the Royals are going to stretch him out to start. I bet after like pretty soon after the All-Star break, Cole Reagans is going to get a spot every 5th day in the rotation. I'd imagine that is now the case with Zach Greinke going on the, on the injured list today. The Royals rotation is just kind of an amoeba at this point. I don't I don't want to try and understand it. I'm just ready for the all-star break to kind of get some structure back. And then Rony Cabrera, 17-year-old, kind of a lottery ticket out of the, he's still in the DSL. I don't even think he's made his stateside debut yet. Mm -hmm. Probably won't see that until maybe next year with the complex, but you never know what you're going to get with those types of guys. The return was interesting. We thought maybe they could get a little bit more, but I think the bottom line here is maybe this is the reliever market. And this is the market kind of correcting back because teams for a while. The last couple of years, at least have overpaid for rental relievers just because they want to have a guy like that, especially a more high profile one, like Chapman, who's probably the best reliever on the market. I don't, so I, I'm not upset at the return. I'm not thrilled by it, but it's fine. Like I think they, they have, they got at least a big league piece and a lottery ticket to me. That's fine. I'll just be curious to see how the rest of the reliever market plays out over the next month to see how the Royals did in comparison there.
4: Yeah. So it seemed like people were ticked off at Cole Reagan's being the quote unquote MLB ready guy that didn't really have great results when he last played at the big league level. And then everyone wanted to complain about that. Like when he graduated from their system last September, he was like their 12th ranked prospect. And then Mm -hmm. Brody Cabrera is the lottery ticket that you should be throwing in in those trades. A guy that makes loud contact, that has decent speed, projects. He's a young guy. Um, And I had talked to you guys in text a couple weeks ago um, that the Royals did get an offer from that same team, um, and it was for a top-20 prospect that was a pitcher. That's what I was told. Um, Now there could have been, I think Josh brought up maybe – you it was a former top 20 prospect and he was 12th but also the guy that I was told was closer to 10 than he was to 20. So you're looking at the package, it's pretty consistent. And if the Royals see something <clears throat> or saw something in Cole Reagan's at the time of that that they wanted him, then that makes total sense and you get Cabrera and everyone brought up the uh, what's the site, the baseball trade values. Um, Yeah, that absolutely shat on the trade, and I was like, okay. I tweeted it out and said, like, context is important here. Cabrera was listed as cash; (laughs) like, it's not even really a a notable thing. Um, But like, people can be upset at the return. They can be upset that Cole Regan's has two uh, blown UCL Tommy John uh, surgeries already. But at the end of the day, they got pretty much consistently what we all thought they were potentially going to get. And when you factor in. Maybe the market reset a little bit. I think it's roughly um, what I expected. Maybe I'm just lower on what I thought Chapman was worth.
3: The it does, Joel. I'm kind of with you. Is I'm curious to see what this does to the reliever market moving forward because naturally, if this is it, if it is going to be a light reliever market, then naturally the Royals have the top two guys at the top of that reliever market. That's just how this seems to work. They have the two best guys that you could possibly deal for at this moment, and they're super cheap to acquire now, apparently, for whatever it is. But I was always also kind of on board with it feeling a little light, just basically based off of what I kind of went through a few weeks ago about the returns from last year's season. It didn't seem like he even got the David Robertson haul of like the Ben Brown, who was a 21-year-old high A that was doing really well. David Robertson was three years old or three years older three years older than a Chapman is now rolled. This is better. His stuff is better, but obviously there are concerns about both of them holding up through a whole season. So it felt like that was at the, the floor of what was going to happen in this, uh, this trade market. And to see yeah. that potentially less than is definitely a little bit disappointing. I will say that there is, but I did kind of see a little bit of potential. Why I did look at his last few starts, uh, Two in round rock and the one in Omaha on Sunday or Saturday or Sunday is a makeup on Saturday night, but it looked like he has good stuff. Um, He went four innings. And then like Joel said, the wheels kind of fell off in the fifth where the control kind of went out the door and every fastball he threw was right down the pipe. But um, beyond that, kind of looking a little bit deeper, he has reverse splits, which is interesting. I didn't know that until today that his ability to get righties out is there. And I think that that is what he's able to do now. If he could just get lefties out consistently, then maybe there's something there. And maybe they could add like a slider or a sweeper to kind of get help out with those left-handed ABs um, to get those guys out. And maybe that's the next step forward. So there's a lot of maybes in this situation. Rony is the biggest maybe of the the situation. And we may not see him know what he's worth for another three or four seasons. Um, And that's really when we start to get a real... Uh, bearing on what happened to this trade so we're gonna have to be patient to see him but uh it is what it is um and let's just wait to see what the barlow return is
2: yep we will get a good look at cole reagan's here pretty soon i'd imagine in kansas city one more note uh before we recorded last week brad keller had made a uh had started his rehab assignment in AAA after a shoulder injury uh it's not good to put it lightly,
3: hey, the second was better than the first. That okay, he still walked. Three,
2: he still walked three. He has not struck out anybody in triple. Well,
3: that's not his mo. Anyway. Wednesday, he had three. He he made an
4: appearance Wednesday, and it was better. And he threw twenty eight strikes on forty nine pitches and went two innings. But like, still, yeah. he's made progress. But like,
3: yeah, that should like, have been
4: the first one.
2: <laughs> like, not not after the, fir- after the first two. outing. The first outing, it was a third of an inning. He gave yeah. up two runs. He walked four. And yeah. didn't strike at anybody. I didn't faced like seven batters. I think five batters. And he walked forward. Clearly and, working back.
3: Yeah.
2: I don't even know if you're working back. Like, truly, I don't know what there is at this point with Brad Keller. Like, I don't know what. Sure. Like, there are other pitchers that are already coming up to the big leagues and they're not doing what he was doing. Like, it's yes. walk problems has always been an issue for him. I just think he's done. Like, I think, that, I think it's just done at this point. I don't know what to make of it. I wish him the best. But I just, at this point in the year, like I don't know what the Royals have, like what they have to gain and what he has to gain coming back at this point. I don't know.
3: I, we got a, I mean, we got a couple more he's going to get a He's,
2: he's going to get, get a shot and he's going to walk <laughs> a billion dudes and he it's going to be painful as hell. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play.
2: Welcome back. Quick couple other transaction notes here. On Angel is making a rehab assignment. He We talked about that last week a couple weeks ago that he was in AA. Now he's in AAA. Mixed results. but The strikeout numbers are up for him, which has not necessarily been his MO throughout the minor league. So that's been really good to see. The walks, I totally understand. And also the ABS system is super flawed in AAA. So I take a lot of the walk numbers with a grain of salt. Alec Marsh got promoted. He started tonight. He's been fine. Nothing. He's about what we thought he was going to be. Like, the stuff is good enough to get strikeouts. The command is not great, so he's going to walk some dudes. And when he leaves that fastball right down the middle, it's going to get hammered. That We've seen little bits of all of that. But at this point, I'm cool with the Royals giving him a shot. Frank Mazzucato got promoted to high A, uh, which was a long time coming. The Royals needed to make that happen. I realized I actually saw the Columbia Firefly said, He's their all time strikeout leader. Like I think it was 174 <laughs> strikeouts. Yeah. Damn. Um I know. Whoa. Well, because how often do dudes repeat lower? Yeah, Especially guys true. that are like mm. of that caliber. But yeah. you know, essentially it was one full season when you think about it, because he debuted, I think it was like the beginning of June of yeah. twenty two, mm-hmm. and then he's and then by the beginning of July, he's going up to Quad City. So hope he can just continue mm-hmm. the strikeout numbers. Uh the walks, you know, he's just gotta find a way to mitigate them, but the stuff was too good for low A. I'd imagine when you still have a, a plus plus pitch like he has with that curveball, he's still going to dominate high A hitters to some degree. And that'll be fun to watch. And one thing that's not in our notes, but just worth mentioning, I said it a bit ago. Zach Greinke is going on the injured list uh, with a right. I think it was just said right shoulder fatigue. I believe was the actual diagnosis, but said it's mild soreness. They're not worried about it at least right now. Uh, they're hoping that he can sit and then come back after the all-star break. Dylan Coleman comes back up who still walking a ton of dudes in triple a, but the strikeout numbers have been better as of late and the walks have come down in his last two outings. So good to see him back. Hopefully he's able to get back to his 2022 self and move on from there. All right. Let's talk about the draft. Uh, Not wall to wall coverage like we had last year. uh, Unfortunately, that not necessarily our uh, forte, but We're going to do what we can here for you guys. Uh, to talk about who the Royals are going to take at eighth overall uh, in Seattle here on Sunday, a lot of different ways the Royals can go. The mock drafts have been kind of all over the place uh, with who they could possibly take. So we'll we'll run through the the like a little round. We thankfully we rounded up all of the at least the mock drafts that we know of, uh, and we'll go from there and we'll talk about some of the names on here. The Baseball America one uh, has the Royals taking Noble Meyer, right-handed prep uh, pitcher out of Jesuit High School in Oregon. And will be Pipeline has the Royals taking Blake Mitchell, a catcher, uh, prep catcher from Sinton, Texas. Uh, Joe Doyle, I can't remember the name of the publication he's at now off the top of my head, but he was a guy, he was at Prospects Live uh, for the last few years. Uh, He has the Royals taking uh, Colin Hawk, who is an ATL prep shortstop. Uh, name that I admittedly am not too familiar with, but he's from Parkview, Georgia. Good interview, good kid. Okay,
4: just I, I watched a YouTube video because I very cool, yeah, very brief was... aside, but I don't know how to pronounce names. I like obsessively go to YouTube mm-hmm. and like have to listen to it.
2: I, I'm a nerd anyway. Perfect game has the Royals taking Braden Taylor, a third baseman from TCU. He looks like he's a junior, and then Prospect Baseball Prospect Journal, Kyla McDaniel from ESPN. Mike Axia from CBS Sports have the Royals taking uh, Blake Mitchell as well, same as the Pipeline mock. Keith Law from The Athletic has the Royals taking Kyle Teal, who is a catcher from Virginia, as well as Jordan Schusterman from Fox Sports has the Royals taking Kyle Teal. Which of those names pops out the most to you guys? For me, I think Kyle Teal is the, the best choice of the guys that have been mocked. I am just so terrified of prep right-handed pitchers, and it's nothing against Noble Meyer. Uh, He looks like he's probably the second-best pitcher in this draft, at least in the first round. But prep righties have a bad track record, and as Royals fans know all too well, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. And even though the Royals have overhauled the development on that side, maybe it makes you feel a little better, I just want to avoid prep righties in the first round like the plague and go and maybe find one later.
3: I, I totally, uh, yeah. totally understand that. I mean, that's, I, the, the thought of a guy like Noble Meyer, I mean, he's got a sexy two seamer 97, 98 miles per hour has a really solid slider, but he needs a better offering. need needs a third offering. So as much as I love a nice two seamer, I am scared to death of what could happen to him that if they did that, I've got it in my notes as a nuts-on-the-table pick because that is like I am confident that this is my development system is going to make this guy a monster, and if they don't, we're all fired. That's what it kind of seems like, like that's the the nuts-on-the-table pick. But I agree, Kyle Teal would be fun. I think Colin Hawk might be my favorite one of this group Um, Being a prep shortstop, they think that he could grow into third base and his swing does project to have pretty solid power, especially it's kind of like a raw project type of bat. And I feel like this system can absolutely develop a bat into that. So if they can turn a shortstop into a third baseman that plays a really good defense, does that sound familiar to Royals fans right now? And he could project as that power upside guy at a corner infield spot, become that dude. It'd just be too kind of enticing uh, to pass that guy up. So out of this group, I think Colin How could be my uh my number one out of this group.
4: Man, you look at Colin How like he's he's interesting and he's not a my guy, and we'll we'll talk about that later on. Um, eighteen years old, six two, one ninety. So he's already pretty well built. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pipeline scouting report for him: fifty five hit, fifty five power, fifty runs, sixty arm, fifty field. Like mm-hmm. he, I think he's a two sport athlete. He played quarterback. Um, I like what he brings to the table. Like, again, I I haven't watched YouTube videos with every prospect in their interviews. Like, you can tell usually pretty early on if a guy stands out for a bad reason in an interview. And you're like, okay, even without meeting the kid, you're like, okay, well, maybe you don't want to take him that high. Maybe he's not built for that. Like, Colin Houck seemed to be built for that and seems to have come from a really good family. Um, I think with his profile, again, not one of the... Uh, necessarily popular names. I know it appeared in a mock draft, but not many of them. Um, he probably stands out to me. I think Meyer, Hauk, and then Kyle Teal, and we'll, we'll discuss Kyle Teal more later on.
3: One quick thing on Hawk is I, I, if you, I got him like at 19th overall in the aggregate yep. board that I've got to got together. So yep. if you're going to take him at eight, you're probably going to have to give him quite a bit of that slot value to get him away from the college commitment that he's headed towards. But he at least, has that upside to be able to justify it to me if you can tell me that this is a project guy that we're going to attach ourselves to we're going to get him in the cage make sure his hit tool is fine and then be able to develop that power as you go i'm fine giving full slot to a guy like that as opposed to another one of these preps that kind of maybe has a little bit higher safer floor and you're going to give him a ton of money at 16th 17th overall at the 108 i can that's going to be harder for me to swallow because i want upside i out of this draft i want upside period
4: That's a a good kind of segue. Like, I know I put this in the notes as an idea, but you really hit the nail on the head. Do we want to talk for like two or three minutes, like slot savings and spending? Like Josh mentioned the upside. Like, I know you guys probably have very, like, if I were GM, I'd do this or focus on this. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have like any go-to draft strategies you would personally execute?
2: I think – well, what's weird is, like, the last couple of years, the Royals ne- haven't necessarily had a tendency sure. when it comes to how they've drafted. Like, they went, obviously, like, you know, no doubt pick with Bobby Wood Jr. And then they went and kind of – they tried the no doubt thing with Ace Lacey, and obviously that's blown up in their face. But, again, no such thing as a pitching prospect. And then they go in the complete opposite direction, slot Frank Mazacato at seven – and to go get him to then take those savings and get Ben Cooter and Shane Panzini Carter Jensen, and then this past year they get Gavin Cross. They took him at full slot. So it's not like we have an idea of what they're doing. And just to talk about the slot value thing for maybe people that are either unfamiliar or they don't know. So every pick in the first ten rounds. There's twenty rounds in the MLB draft now. Every the first ten picks. Every pick has a slot value to it. And every team spends has X amount of money to spend on those 10 picks and they can move that money around. However they see fit. I believe the slot value at eight for the Royals is 5.9 million. I might be wrong, but I think it's right in that range, like five like 5.96 million. So the Royals could take a guy and just give them that say 6 million just for the ease of, of talking or if there's a guy they like on their board that they think fits in their system perfectly, like I'll go down here and say like, uh, okay. Like Enrique, Enrique Bradfield, Jr. A name sure. that, that people know you're pro- like Enrique Bradfield, Jr. is On the MLB pipeline board is 21. So say he's there at, at 18 or whatever, he's not going to get anywhere close to $5 million. The Royals could say, Hey, we'll take you for five. They save a million bucks and kick that money down the line for their second or third round pick or whoever it is, a the guy they think has some really good value, a guy that maybe is a little lesser known, but has a solid, you know, a, a much more hard uh, commitment to college that maybe they can entice him to come pro rather than he goes pro, goes to college, whatever it is. Like there, there's a variety of reasons that teams do it. And I just want people to understand, and I will hammer this point home probably every year, just because the Royals possibly take a guy under slot does not mean the Royals are being cheap it does not mean the Royals are trying to you know cheap Walmart things and and just because they're afraid to spend money they're spending the money anyway they're just moving it around to different picks it does not mean they're being cheap
4: that like repeat it does yeah. not
2: mean the Royals are being <laughs> cheap <laughs> that that was my
4: main point I don't have anything else I was hoping one of us would bring it up that that was my point Josh you have anything on philosophy before we
3: move on um, just it, it's not going to be that earth shattering, but I you can agree, you agree or disagree with them however you want, but I do still feel like this farm system is pretty deep in you know fringe uh, major league baseball yes. players. So I'm going for upside for broke, and it doesn't, Absolutely. I mean, they're not probably not going to get it. Seems like there's a consensus top five that are basically can't miss for the most part. Very safe bets between Cruz, Skiings, uh, Langford, Jenkins, and Clark. After that, it's kind of a crapshoot, everybody's got their warts after that. Uh, the value seems to be in college bats in this draft class. So I can see them kind of taking one of those dudes that they could potentially fast track. And some of those guys can come under slot and you can start playing slot games that way with a pretty good upside bat as well. So I can, I can kind of see them doing that, but if they aren't going to get in those top five guys, which is probably not going to happen, then I want them to be taking shots on high ceilings, low floors, guys that they can develop, especially in the bats um, I feel like I have faith in this organization that they can develop a bat. they can you know, kind of smooth some edges to to maybe up, unlock some of the upside that's there. Yeah, make them a little bit safer bet and to be kind of add some helium to these guys to, to kind of skyrocket up these rankings in the system. Um, I think that's where the 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 gamble will be with this organization. so that's where I would go is is give me some risk. Uh, to hit some of that upside if we can
2: i can't believe how screwed the royals got by the lottery like i'm looking at this and at least like these top five i'm like oh they had i think they had the third best odds for a top pick and they ended up eighth. and like it's not (laughs) like the dude like it's just like the dudes that are there in that six to ten range like they're fine they're good players they're you know they're going to be big leaguers but like Skeens is the best pitching prospect we've seen since Strasburg. Dylan Cruz is like, <laughs> you could plop that dude in AAA right now, and mm-hmm. he's going to go and produce. Langford is a legit right-handed power bat. Yeah. Walker, Jenkins, and Clark are some of the best prep guys we've seen since like Bobby, basically. It's like, ah! And the Royals are going to miss out on all of them. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to talk about some of our my guys for the uh, 2023 draft here right
1: after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
5: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network.
2: So we're going to do our uh, My Guys for the 2023 MLB Draft, and this is Like guys that realistically the Royals could take at eight. I would love to do a ten minute diatribe on Paul Skeens, uh, but I obviously am not going to be able to do that because he will not make it past number two.
3: We'll do it when they get him at eight. We'll we'll do
2: it on the back end.
4: If is it going to be like a Laramie Tunsil gas mask situation? (laughs) Like in in order for them, like they're going to have to do some messed up stuff in order for him to pull down the pick. If
2: the Royals somehow manage to get Paul Skeens at number eight. I will run from my house to Kaufman Stadium and find a way to give Danny Otnavaros and J.J. Piccolo a hug because mm-hmm. that would be the most unbelievable steal of all time. Uh, it's not going to happen, folks. I would love it f- for that to happen, but it won't. Uh, Josh, we'll start with you. Who's uh, who's one of your guys? We each have two on our list here.
3: You'll we'll take go around one, so at a time?
2: Yeah, so Josh, Jordan, and then me, will we'll work it around.
3: Okay, uh, I'll start with uh, a guy that uh, our guy Alex Duvall at Roy's Farm Report tweeted about today. He did a little mock draft of a scenario. He came up with Enrique Bradfield Jr. And the comps on him are Juan Pierre. And you had me at Juan Pierre on that front. Well, he's Juan a true Pierre. center fielder, traditional leadoff guy. Good approach, great bat to ball skills, got a great command, really good defensive, and he's a speedy, speedy guy. He can handle the dimensions of Kauffman Stadium. Whether they'll be in the stadium at that time will is up to be. Uh, up to uh, the side by the voters here. But I feel like he's a traditional guy, left-handed bat, that could roam those outfielders, man center field for a long time. The power is not there, and that is a problem. I don't know if there's any hope of there being power there. But if you can do everything else there, contact, approach, speedy, great defense, his arms not much. But if you can check all those other boxes, you've got a good player on your hands. And there's rumors of him potentially going under slot um to to, to leave uh, college so i think that's a possibility and i'd be ecstatic if they went after uh, enrique bradfield jr his floor um, is like two and a half
2: three wins like i think it's two, four. yep because the defense is so elite and like the bat is good enough that, like he can stick around if he isn't like 85 to 90 way to runs creative plus guy which i think with his contact ability is certainly feasible And it's probably going to get boosted too, like because he has a little bit of gap to gap power. Like he just hits a ball toward right, toward left center at Koppen. He's getting too easy. He's a legit 70, possibly an 80 grade runner and a true 80 grade center fielder. And the Royals have like made it known in the past they're willing to sacrifice some offense for elite defense in center field. And that's the type of dude you could probably put him in the lineup by middle of 25 if he hits enough because the defense is just going to be so good.
4: I've got Kyle Teal, big Kyle Teal as my number one guy. Um, I'm the antithesis of Josh. Like he wants upside. I like Kyle Teal has upside, don't get me wrong, but like I want as safe of a bet with my two guys as I can get. I think Kyle Teal, man, he slashed 407, 475, 655, 13 home runs. Um Seems good. the the strikeout to walk ratio was nearly one. It was 36 mm-hmm. to 32. Lefty hitting catcher, plenty of upside. Um, caught 12 out of 22 potential base stealers this past year elite defender behind the plate obviously with the way baseball is going right now that might not matter by the time he's a big leaguer but i do think he can move out from behind the plate and play a corner outfield spot i do think he's athletic enough to do it um so kyle teal my number one guy
2: my number one guy is a shortstop, prep shortstop from Strawberry Crest, Florida, outside of Tampa, uh, Arjun Nimala. He is six foot one seventy, pretty much like a 50, 50 to 55 across the board as it sits right now. And he won't turn 18 until October of this year. Which means for those at, at home, he was born in 2005.
0: <laughs> how dare you? Talk about how dare you, I know I'm like, back on the face of that.
2: God, I hate No, I hate it too. Like, <laughs> God, that's just it's just weird seeing that that's type weird. of birthday. I hate it. But there's a lot, there is a lot of power in there for a guy that they like said 6'1", 6'1, 170. Like, there's not like he's kind of a wiry frame, but a ton of bat speed. He doesn't get cheated. Like, the, the biggest thing with him that mm-hmm. people, um, that people talk about is he is a little more aggressive, uh, mm-hmm. and he'll, he'll take some pitches, but he really wants to do damage. And a lot of it is like just not recognizing spin right now, but as a 17 year old, like that makes perfect sense. Like there's still a lot of maturation that needs to happen there, but there is a ton to dream on with this type of guy. So I think it's a a good mix of if nothing else, he's probably a glove first shortstop with enough, you know, enough bat that he, he can survive. But, the power is there to where you think he could probably be like a 20 home run type guy. He can steal you some bags, play really solid defense with a chance to stick at shortstop. I would, there, there's a lot to dream on with Arjun Namala, and I would absolutely, like, I'd run to the board, I'd run to the podium if he was still there at eight.
3: Didn't he describe himself as like a uh, patient, aggressive hitter? That was, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, which yeah. On, that sounds like Bobby, like almost. To a team. I- like,
3: <laughs> I thought it was. It reminded me of Vinny a little bit because yeah, that's a good hunting. example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like they could they could bond over being patiently aggressive. I'm I'm into that, <laughs> and it seems like that might be Zoom You know what? Yeah, he wants to do. He true. wants, to it, yeah. Hunting, so. Like
2: if the pitcher throws you
3: your pitch, oh one, go tee off. Go get it. Yep, hundred um, percent. So let's talk about my philosophy of drafting upside. I think. One of the biggest volatility profiles in this draft class is Hurston Waldrop. I love uh, him. Out of Florida. Uh, Frontline starter stuff, if he can command it. He's got a uh, fastball that can touch 99, but it goes very straight. Um, talking to, talking to uh, Alex Duvall about him earlier tonight, that, uh, yeah, he, he kind of reminds him of Alec Marsh a little bit, but he's got the power fastball. He's got a good 12 to 6. He's got the slider. He's got a good split. So it seems like he's got four good offerings. He just needs to locate them. So if if he lacks control and can't figure it out, you could still have some upside as a uh, a relief pitcher. That could be really good as well. So you're kind of like bringing up the floor on him a little bit. But if he's got frontline starter potential as well, then I think that's worth a pick at 108. I like
4: it. I, I think it's a gamble, sure, but I think it, it'd be a fun one. Um, Mm -hmm. My guy, probably not much of a gamble, and that's the theme for me. Uh, Matt Shaw, the infielder from Maryland, listed as a shortstop by most. I think he probably slides over to second base at some point. Um, 21 years old, 5'11", 185. Has played multiple positions defensively. Great eye. He had one more walk than he did strikeout uh, this past season. Got on base almost half the time, was 44%. Um, 24 home runs, 20 doubles. Like I think the power is mostly legitimate, even Get if it doesn't turn into a home run this year. Yeah, <sighs> I think it's legit. I Even if it doesn't turn out to be pure home run power at the next level, I think he can still hit plenty of doubles. And I think he can be a fun player, um, plus runner, pretty decent defender, a guy that can really accelerate through the minor league system really quick. Um, That's probably the same with Kyle Teals. So Matt Shaw is my second, my guy.
2: So this – I have a hard time saying this is, like, a true my guy because it's, like, the most peak Royals type of pitcher pick. <laughs> and I just – I, again, like, through it just kind of the way that 18 draft has panned out at this point, it's like, uh, I just don't – I can't do it. But Rhett Louder is a great pitcher. Like, I think he, he has, like, upside to be a solid big league pitcher. Now, it is not the upside of Paul Skeens or – you know, even Chase DoLander and some of these other these other guys in college, but he commands a fastball really well. He, he was a two time ACC pitcher of the year. He has a plus changeup. Can run the fastball up to ninety seven, but it's like the most generic fastball shape ever. Like there's nothing special to it. It's just kind of there. Great pitchability, ability to work late into games. You know, the, you, if you watch the College World Series, he go, he went. Haymaker for Haymaker with Paul Skeens, and yeah, it was did. it was awesome. Um, Eighty great hair, also. Um, I hope the Royals let him keep that. But it would be a pick that is very simply. We are just want to get a solid arm in our rotation. Like even if it's our a three, a, like a our number three, like it's a pretty good number three to have. So it it would be super safe, super Royals. But I think it would. I think it would be fine. Like I think there, there is enough there that I, I don't think there's a ton of red flags, which I think was kind of the thing with Singer, with kind of the what we're seeing it now. Like no change up, Coar fastball shape is not great. Lynch injury concern. Like there, there was all sorts of red flags on a lot of those guys. I don't see a ton of that with, with Rhett Louder, which makes me think it would probably work out if they took him. But he's the number one pro- pitching prospect on the board. Uh, according to MLB pipeline. So we'll see if he even makes it to eight. I'm not sure.
4: It's interesting, man. We, we had a wide array of different guys. Uh, it was really worked out yeah. pretty well. I think, um, do we have any, do you want to speed round? Like other, my guys that won't be in play at one Oh eight, but might be available another kind of point. I've got a few personally. All right. I got uh Cade cooler. I know that Royals farm has talked about him, Ad nauseum, 271 ERA, 91 strikeouts and 22 walks in 73 innings. Really good fastball slider combo. Um, Zane Adams is from Porter, Texas. He's a 19-year-old pitcher, injured early in his junior season. Fastball sits like 91-92, can hit mid-90s. Curveball, I think, is one of the best in the class. Change up with solid bite. Uh, More of a lottery ticket, I think. He's committed to Bama, so not guaranteed to sign by any means. Um, then Blake Dickerson is an 18-year-old um, from Ocean Lakes, Virginia. He's another, obviously, prep prospect um, committed to, I believe, Virginia Tech, I think, if my notes are correct. 6'6", um, six, six, 210, repeatable delivery, projectable pitcher, fastball, 92-94, um, slider, borderline great, I think, with some late movement, and then a developing changeup. So I went arm, 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 and those are my three kind of under-the-radar not 108 uh, that maybe not everyone has heard of. And like producer Nick said, maybe Blake Dickerson needs to be playing basketball at 6'6", 210.
2: Um, another guy that I, I really like is Brock Wilkin from Wake Forest, another mm. Wake Forest guy. Yeah. Uh, there's no way that he gets past like 20, but I'm just like 6'4", 225, mammoth power. Uh, he had 31 homers this year, which is the second most in, a, in the BB Core era solid defender kind of gives you a little bit of moose vibes in that way that it's like kind of a thicker dude that you wouldn't think is a, you know, a good athlete, but can certainly handle that really well. Yeah. You know, just gotta, uh, that's why I just kept moving right through it. Yo, I don't know why you had to stop me there. Um,
3: Oh man. I don't really Uh, have anybody. I just want to see the, what the draft does to kind of come to us and see what we can, we can make of it. So I don't, I don't really have anybody else to add. I think we've covered the gamut. It feels like.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't have too many else. I I've heard I've seen some like stuff kind of floating around that maybe a Walker Jenkins or something like that could fall hmm. uh based on some underslot stuff that could happen. I think a Joe Doyle was on that. If for some reason he's there at 8, yeah. I mean, pff, the the Royals are getting an absolute steal. It would 100% be a full slot maybe a little over for him even at even though he does fall a little bit but you're looking at a sit like right now and pipeline is sometimes they're kind of generous with their, their grades, but it's 60 hits, 60 power, 55 runs, 60 arm, 55 field. Like it's above average, just about everywhere. He's an outfielder. Like there's, there's a ton to like there with a, you know, a very refined swing approach and bat to ball for a dude that's 18 years old. If for some reason he falls, I mean, that could get really fun. I dig it. Any final thoughts before we get out of here?
4: We covered a shit ton, man. That felt like a marathon of a podcast. We we covered injuries, we covered transactions, we covered several different like recent trends, MLB draft. That naturally, the team will take zero of the guys we brought up, and we'll probably <laughs> take someone that no one's heard of, um, at least for our sake. But it was a good time. Same. The
2: only, uh, yeah, the only thing I want to mention really quick before we get out of here is that Austin Charles is going out of his fucking mind in Columbia right now, and it's amazing.
1: Dude, uh, Tyler we'll Tolbert talk... also. That, oh,
2: Tyler. Hey, t- known power hitter, Tyler Tolbert.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he is on fire. I don't know. And John Rave, also very, very good lately. So there's your minor league minute. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> we'll get out of here. We'll talk to you guys. I have no idea if we're going to do anything for
2: the draft on Sunday. We'll figure that out. We'll let you know when we know. But if nothing else, we will talk to you next week. uh, Talking about the guys the Royals picked in the 2023 MLB draft, along with hopefully some more W's along the line. I'd like to talk about a team with more than 25 wins, and I'd like to see that by next week. We'll talk to you all then.
1: Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard.